Hi, I'm Cheryl and Sen. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. We have a beautiful, beautiful book. Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book. You can get it at bluerosemag.com. Supplies are limited. Uh, get this bad boy while it's hot. Want to say we're under the 300 mark for these books. Yes. And then yes. once they're gone, they are gone. Our thinking would be that the book would be gone by the end of the year. I mean, I don't even know if it's going to last that long. But the idea was that, hey, this is the 30th anniversary. Like, wouldn't it be cool just to have a book that could be available to really diehard Twin Peaks fans? We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. He said, I got my days mixed up, and I'm going to be there yesterday, if not sooner. <laughs> <laughs> then he texted and said, it's slippery in here. <laughs> and he said, in the Red Room, Special Agent Dale Cooper has already won the Emmy. <laughs> Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. How are you? Great. What are we doing today? Today, we have an awesome show, and I say that every show, but this show, I mean it even more than I meant it last week and the week before that. Last week, we were talking about Room to Dream book with Rob from yes. 25 Years Later site. How can we top that? Get the author from <laughs> Room to Dream. And we've got Christine McKenna on the phone. You know, in 1990s press kit for Wild at Heart, David's biography was just four uh, words, Eagle Scout, Missoula, Montana. They almost called the book that. Did you really? Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you give us so much more than that, and uh, we love the book. I think it's, yes. it's wonderful. Oh, so, thank you. You've known David Lynch for a long time. Can you share with us how you met him? In the late 70s, I saw Eraser head when it had its four-year run at the New York Theater. And I was writing for the Los Angeles Times and for a few other publications at that time. So I wanted to interview David and I tracked him down and he was pretty easy to find then because he was just trying to get going with his yeah. career. And so we met at a coffee shop, of course. He liked what I wrote about him and we just stayed in touch. Yeah, David's very loyal. You know, if you find somebody, he liked the way I wrote about him. So he had me write about him again and again. Isn't that awesome? And I think it was a few years ago, was it last year, uh, the Festival of Disruption, you were involved with that? Yeah, I was with the, the last two festivals of Disruption. Last year I did several interviews for him, and the year before, and the first one I interviewed Frank Gehry. And Brian and I got to go to the New York one this, this past year, so that was Yeah, really it was fun. amazing. Yeah. Sounded good. I'm sorry I missed it. Why do you think David Lynch decided to do this book now? Well, I proposed it to him, and frankly, I don't know why he said yes. <laughs> I, um, well, the, the case I made for it was I said two things. He hates all the misinformation and wrong information that's out mm. there about him. I said, people are going to continue writing about your life, and here's a chance for you to get the story straight and tell it the way you want it told. And I also said, other people make money off the story of your life. Why don't you? Mm. So he said yes. Nice. How 
how'd you come up with a structure? So it's an interesting structure where you take a piece and he takes a piece. How did that come about? Well, that came about because I wanted David's voice to be as prominent as possible in the book. And I didn't want to just interview him and interweave his quotes with everybody else's quotes. Partly because David has a very unfettered imagination. When he talks, he'll go down avenues you couldn't have even thought of. And I knew if I just interviewed him... I wouldn't get as much. He'd answer the questions I gave him, but there's a lot of stories in the book that there's no way they would have come up if I'd just been interviewing him. Yeah. Mm. Like the Marlon Brando stories. It just seemed like a good way to make him really present in the book. I really like it. I think it works. I think oh, it really yeah. did. Thank you. Did you do all the research, and then when all the research was done, you'd, you'd give him some of it, and he would then respond? I would write a chapter, complete a chapter, send it to him. He would read it. Then we'd have a session, and he would talk to me. And I would record it and turn it into text. And then he would edit that text. There were a lot of times that he cut things out. So that's kind of how his text was shaped. The part that you've recorded for the initial reaction, is that the audio that we hear in the audiobook? I haven't been able to bring myself to listen to the audiobook. Oh, yeah. But here's what happened with that. David and I were recording our parts the same week. So I go into the studio on Monday, and at the end of Monday, I get a call, and David sat down to do it, and he said, I can't do this. You know, this just feels like bullshit. I'm not going <laughs> to do this. And so I emailed him. I said, David, you are a great storyteller. You've told these stories many times. I'm going to go through the text, just annotate it, you know, just say, this is that anecdote. Just tell that story. So that's how he did it. He didn't read the text. He told stories from the chapters and I know that there's things on the audiobook that aren't in the book and yeah. much in the book that's not on the audiobook. I like that of it. It was very interesting online. Uh, there was a lot of commotion. People were like, the audio is different from the book. Mm -hmm. uh, ben and myself were like, wow, this it's very special though. And I, I think it's very David Lynchian to do, but it, I think it really yeah. adds another dimension and I'm like, man, I wish all people who did a biography like this this <laughs> is how they did it because it doesn't sound he's just reading it just sounds more personalized and more warmth to it yeah like he's just not he's, yeah, he's not reading yeah. from a script right yeah i know he's not reading from a script i <laughs> want to listen to his parts but i definitely don't want to listen to my parts but Aww. yes I, I do want to listen to it because he is a great storyteller he's hilarious yeah he and he's talking from the heart and you're great too mm -hmm. you should you shouldn't be embarrassed yeah you were wonderful i thought uh, you sold it. That well, thank you. Story he talk, talks about the birth of Jennifer, and you know it's very uncommon those days for men to be there for de delivery. And in the audiobook, yeah. he goes and he says, "Oh, she was it was beautiful and powerful." Mm. And then he goes on and goes to a taxi, and the taxi driver says, "It's a beautiful day," and he goes on and says, "Oh, we went home," and the, and the, all the kids in the neighborhood, he showed them the baby and stuff. And so it was like, "Oh, this is so beautiful," and it's not in the book. Oh, that sounds great. It's so good. And <laughs> I it's like. Yeah, I wish he told me all that. He I, didn't. So oh, wow. To, well, so I'm glad at least he saw the audio book. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. But it was, it, thank you for sharing that, because I was curious to know, like, how did that process work? And, like, how did how come it's one place and not in another place? It was entirely up to David. You know, when he went back, there were some things he felt like expanding on, and other things he didn't even want to address. So he kind of edited as he went along when he was doing the audio book. Because of David Lynch's 
workload with Twin Peaks and his nude book and everything else he's doing. How long did it take you guys to do this book from start to finish? Like, when was the beginning point and when did you guys wrap it all up? I, I actually did it very, very quickly. It took three years. He wow. agreed to do the book, oddly enough, about a week before Twin Peaks was finally greenlit. So he was shooting and editing it while we were working on the book. Wow. So it was hard. He was wildly busy then, but we kept to a schedule and we got it done. He's very good about making deadlines. I think at one point it was going to come out in 2017, but I think a lot of us are excited it didn't come out in 2017 because you got to include stuff from the Twin Peaks uh, return that you wouldn't have probably been able to talk about if it had come out last year. No, you're absolutely right. In fact, David, it was such a stickler. Nobody was allowed to talk to me until the last episode had aired. So I had to write that last chapter in three weeks. Oh, wow. The book was going to go on press, so I had to do that chapter really quickly because nobody could talk to me and nobody violates his wishes about things like that. The book would feel incomplete without the return being in there. I agree with you. And you did more than 100 interviews for this book. Were there things you learned about David that you didn't know about? Yes, a a lot of things. And (laughs) this sounds kind of corny to say, but what I learned is he's a really good guy. Mm -hmm. Like He really has helped a lot of people and he's very generous. That's probably the most surprising thing because I've interviewed lots of powerful things famous people and usually it's not the case that the closer you get the better they look quite the opposite Mm -hmm. with David I learned that and I also learned how unpredictable he is you never know what he's going to like or not like yeah but I kind of knew him pretty well before we started this because I've been writing about him for like 30 years. For me, yeah. I feel like I learned that he was kind of a ladies' man. <laughs> I mean, yes. Like, like that <laughs> you he, didn't know that? I, I don't know why I didn't realize that because he's so charming. He had girlfriends in kindergarten. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's been a ladies' man since yeah, no, he was he, out of the womb. Girls love David. Yeah, he really, women love him. He's always had a lot of girlfriends and he loves women. So, yeah. And he started young, as he says in the book. Wow. Like fourth grade or kindergarten. Do you have any uh, favorite interviews and stories that you obtained in researching the book? Well, when I started working on the book, I had just moved to a new neighborhood. David's first wife lived two doors up from me, which was really weird. And we became good friends, and she was an enormous help. There were a couple people who I really loved talking to, and I feel like I got to know them. That would be Peggy, his first wife, and Mary Fisk, his second wife, who's really a wonderful person. And um, it was great getting to meet Jack Fisk because he's such an important part of David's world and he's a great artist. And also um, Richard Beamer. He and I became Mm. friends. But everybody in David's world is nice, you know, because David doesn't have not nice people around. He doesn't have divas. So, yeah, everybody was great, really. Yeah, I think you make a great point. You know, we've been doing this show for like three years and we've done a lot of interviews. And you're right. All the people we've ever talked to that related to David have been such nice people. Oh, very nice. We got to talk to Richard Bean. He's a great guy. Yeah. So many good people. Oh, isn't he wonderful? He really yeah, is. I love Richard. Yeah. <laughs> Were there people you wish you could have interviewed? I'm, I'm thinking about people even like maybe who have died, like Catherine Coulson. Or, there, oh, are, yeah. There's a, well, I did interview Catherine Coulson. In fact, I was friends with Catherine, independent of David, wow. for decades. I met her like in 1990. 
John Hurt. I missed him, obviously. Mm. Alan Splett. It was really sad I couldn't talk to him. Yeah. Nicholas Cage is the only person who said no. I have no idea why he said no, but he said no. Huh. Patricia Arquette just never got back to me, even though I tried for three years to talk to her. Yeah. And David's parents. It would have been great to talk to them because they're such a the keystone to who he is. Yeah, that's um, true. But yeah, Alan Splett, it was really sad I couldn't talk to him because he was so brilliant for one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jack Nance, of course. Of oh, course. terrible. I didn't get to talk to Jack Nance. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of this story about the father and there was, I think, a mouse in the house and he had to get a bat and beat it with, a, with clothes. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, boy, that seems See, so violent. I think that story is, I know, I think it sounds, that's a really violent story and I included that. There's a couple stories like that, like when his father shoots a porcupine and then yep. he's trying to pop a cow. Right. There were these violent things in his childhood, but because his father grew up on a ranch, basically, mm. in a rural environment, there were guns and hunting and shooting and, like, a mouse being beaten to death in a closet was no big deal, <laughs> but it seemed pretty weird to me. Yeah. It, it does fit into his narrative now, who he is, you know? Like, there is, like, this sexual mm-hmm. violence in his work, and I always wondered where mm-hmm. it came from, and now yeah. I know. Cause he still seemed to have a normal life, but, there, right, he, there were some things that happened that probably uh, influenced him or inspired him or he he, he doesn't seem to be afraid of death I mean the one story that stood out to me was when he went into the morgue he Uh wanted to go into the morgue and look at real dead bodies and they let him and Uh it didn't bother him that explains a lot I can't do that today I I I couldn't do that yeah Yeah. no that's that listen it's an interesting aspect of him. I think now his his comfort with mortality has to do with his spiritual beliefs. Mm. He wasn't meditating when he visited the morgue, but I think that those kinds of understandings were just maybe an intuitive part of who he is. Yeah. yeah, totally. So did the interviewees n- know that David would be responding to their stories? They didn't know how the book was going to be structured. Mm. And all they knew was that David had given them permission to talk to me mm. and that, that he would be reviewing what was in the book. Ah. So, yeah. He didn't call other people. He let everybody else have their say. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, he seemed very respectful to other people's yeah. uh, remembrance or, or remembering that that time, but he never, like, yeah. He never, yeah, it, it was interesting. I love the, the way it, it's like a call and response. I remember uh, in one of the chapters, one of his friends said, you know, David came up as confident, and then David responded in a way saying he found himself to be a little bit shy at times. So people mm-hmm. perceived him as the ladies' man. But yeah, he did, he did like mm-hmm. the ladies, but he maybe found himself to be shy. So it's great to hear both sides of the coin. Yeah. yeah. Peggy, his first wife, just said like that when he was in high school, he was a golden boy. But when he talks about his high school experience, he saw himself as a messed up juvenile delinquent. And mm, yes. it was the worst time of his life. So, yeah. 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 And he seems so open about responding to things. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's you, that you got things out of him, that he, or he was just at a point in his life where he's, he's very uh, open to sharing his life. Uh, well, I think he trusts me because I've known him for so long. And he also felt free to talk because he knew that nothing he didn't want in the book was going to go in there. He cut. Most of the cutting he did was on his own sections. He was never satisfied with how he talked about transcendental meditation and the Maharishi. 
he felt like he just didn't get that right. So he cut a lot of that out. That was the main cutting he did. So, you know, I'm so glad you you mentioned in the book about DavidLynch.com. I was actually a member back in the day. He was ahead of his time. This is before uh, YouTube that he was creating videos and content for the web. How do you think Lynch feels about it now, um, looking back uh, that, during that period of making this website? I think he was ultimately, and I think it comes across in the book that he was ultimately a little disappointed, you know. Mm. He, In a way, he felt like he was going to start a mini-studio and income from the site would allow him to produce content. But it just is too much work. He was the only one really producing content. Yeah. And as he said, you could spend months making four pieces and then somebody visits the site in one afternoon and they don't ever have to come back to it for a year. It's true. So I think he was a little disappointed in how it played out. But I think I know he loved communicating with his community. Yeah. You know, the people that were involved in it. Yeah. I mean, the way David Lynch was doing it then, that's the only way without getting advertisers well, Personally, involved. I would rather have yeah. him working on a film or a series. That's true. I agree, with, I agree with that. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's, yes. Yeah. But let's stick with his new movie coming out, hopefully. <laughs> You're dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got to be on the set with David in the past when he was making his older films. Did you get to be on the new set during the, the Twin Peaks, The Return? Yes, I, was, I went twice. Wow. Um, I was there when they were shooting Red Room stuff, which there was actually quite a bit of Red Room stuff in there. It was a really close set. There was such a shroud of secrecy around the show. But, yeah, it was great being there. His sets are so much fun Mm -hmm. because he makes them fun. Yeah. Yeah, the documentaries that came out in the Blu-ray really... Like showed that so cool. So would you yeah. have seen Richard that day when you were there? Because he he might have. Been. He was there, and yeah. it was before we met. Uh, it was before we met, and he then sent me um, footage that I was in. Uh, you know, he didn't end up putting it in the film, but yeah, so cool. we were there the same day. That's awesome. Yeah. How was it interviewing Twin Peaks cast and crew? And I'm just so curious, did you get to check out the script at all? Have you seen the Twin Peaks script? I've never seen the Twin Peaks script. And I know that it was a work in progress, that he was still writing on the set. It was very fluid, and he changed it a lot. I would love to see it. I bet there's notes scribbled all over it. <laughs> so I never saw the script, and as most of the actors pointed out, they didn't see the script either. They just right. saw their lines of dialogue and nothing else. Yeah, so, Kyle was the only one that got yeah. to read the whole thing. I can't believe Kyle didn't get an Emmy nomination. Wasn't that shocking? Yeah, it was shocking. really disappointed. I think the community is very disappointed by that. It's amazing that he did three different parts, and I, I mean, I, I was amazed what he was able to do. And yeah. So him, good. him and Naomi Watts, yeah. I thought. Naomi Watts, yeah. if anybody you know i love kyle and all but she was phenomenal as well and i thought those two out of everyone i'm like come on one of them's got to get it what i had heard though is like so i think they could only submit part eight and part 16 and some wonder like Mm -hmm. did they get to showcase kyle's performance as good in those two parts i don't know like in episode eight which is my favorite of the series kyle's only in the first Scene. Right. You know, he's, then he's he gets gone shot. from the yeah. rest of it. Right. And so, and that one seems yeah. to be all the talk. I mean, I think a lot of them that they got nine nominations, and most of them look like they were for part eight. Yeah. So, yeah. So, unfortunately, yeah. they should have seen all of the work of Twin Peaks, yeah. but if you're looking at those two parts, did they not showcase him enough? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's. Why don't the people have to 
to base it on the entire series. I mean, I thought that I thought the rest of them were based that way. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think they do. I think that like when you do writing and certain things, you have to only focus on one episode. Or, oh. Or, well, anyhow, we know Kyle was great, and I think Kyle knows Kyle yeah. was great. Yeah. It's a good thing. And yeah. even back in ninety and ninety one, he never won an Emmy. So crazy because the, those, <laughs> you know the first season, Kyle. That is, he's so delightful and yeah. funny, and it's such a wonderful character he creates. It's so yeah, amazing. He, won then he really should. So you look yeah. back even back then, it's like 25 years or whatever, he still, they weren't getting yeah. the respect they deserve. But, but uh, David and Mark Frost yeah. being nominated is awesome. Yeah. That's so David, good. David is yeah. directed for directing. And writing. Yes. Yeah. And episode eight is a technical masterpiece, so it's great that they got for sound and editing and yeah. cinematography and all that. Yeah. And Brian and I, this is several months ago, we went to MoMA and they did a weekend screening of all parts and we got to see part eight uh-huh. on the big screen and it was such a beautiful thing. Oh, it was something yeah. else. God, that must have been awesome. It was so incredible. Wow. It was so amazing. Yeah. And we talked to Sabrina and she was talking about how they, you know, they had to redo the, the coloring and, and they have to do all this stuff just to change it to be on the big screen. Mm-hmm. It, it was. It was a beautiful mm-hmm. work. And beautiful I print. I don't know if we'll ever get that again, if we'll ever get to see it, but it was, it was pretty special. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'd love to see it big like that. That must have been magnificent. Yeah. Wow. This is more of a, a statement question, and I just want to know what your feelings are, but after finishing the book, a part of me was like, wow, to me, this seems like a book that was made for the fans, but I felt like this is something almost more for his family. Um, I don't know. Do you get that impression? It's for the fans that way, too. Yeah. I mean, David is very close to his family and always has been. Unlike a lot of artists, who just kind of go off on their own. No, it's for the fans, too. Yeah. All his key people are in there, you know, from his work. But I hope the family likes the book. Yes. You know? Yeah. But, oh, that's also Riley and Austin wouldn't talk to me. Wow. Who wouldn't? Sons, Riley and Austin. Isn't that strange? Oh, you're right. I, I can understand that. You know, I thought about it and I thought, I wouldn't want to be interviewed about my parents. <laughs> yeah, mm. I guess so. That's true. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What so do you I say? I kind of understood. It made sense to me. Yeah. And that's something. Yeah. So this is our last question, which is, I've heard right. you're working on a magazine piece about David Lynch, which includes Richard Beamer's photos. Can you share? Wait, how did you know that? Well, how did you know that? <laughs> Richard Beamer. Richard Beamer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a new film quarterly. It's called Scene. Every issue will sort of showcase one filmmaker, and the first issue is about David. So there's an excerpt from the book. There's Richard Beamer's photos. There's a piece by a writer named Greg Burke on the relationship between David's music and Penderecki, the Polish hmm. composer that he loves, who did the, the music in episode eight. It's got piece, Serenity for the Victims of Hiroshima. Oh, wow. oh yes. Um, yeah. What other David pieces? there and there. There's one other one, but God, I can't think of what it is. Anyhow, yes. So this is coming out this fall. And what, and what is the name again of the magazine? It's called Scenes. S-C-E-N-E-S. Oh. It sounds like a porn mag. I don't think it's a good title, but whatever. <laughs> Scenes. Well, we'll definitely be getting it. We're excited to, to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be sure you get a copy. And what are you doing next? What are you working on now? Starting to get another book biography project off the ground, but 
I don't want to jinx it by saying who it's with, but right. that's that's what I'll be doing next after I recover from this. This was a big push, you know. I had to totally focus to get this done in three years. So well, I'm goofing around a lot too right now. <laughs> well, the book is so impressive. It really shows the work that you put into it. It's just, it really is an incredible piece. Thank you for all you've done with this. Yeah. Well, thank you for all that you're doing. We all love David and he yeah. deserves our support. Thank you so much, Christine McKenna, for being on today's show. It was truly an honor. We got to be one of the only people in the United States to interview you. So far. So far. That's pretty cool. Amazing person. I thought she did a great job with the writing of this book. I thought it was so good. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of stuff we talked about last week with Rob that we were wondering about the audio version and about the way it was structured. And I think she answered all those questions for us. And I think the community is really going to love this because we got some answers. Yeah. Which is, is something hard to do nowadays when it comes to David Lynch. I know. So many answers. And there's still so many things to talk about with this book. I feel like this book is going to be with us for a long time that we can look at. It's really a fascinating book. It's a treasure trove of little nuggets of David Lynch. It really opened um, my mind about who he is as a person. It explained a lot. I think re-watching his films, which is something I really want to do in order, this book puts that fire in me to do that. Now I know the history behind those movies. Right. And it's, I, I think we'll make it even better. All right. Well, I mean, if you want to know more about Room to Dream, I would definitely go get it at Amazon probably or wherever you go and get your books. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend you go to 25 Years Later's site and continue to check out their coverage of the book. Yes. And if you have a comment, question, or query, please send us an email at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. Facebook, we're kicking butt. Like us on the old Facebook, and Facebook's not your thing. You can follow us on Twitter at Twin Peaks Unwrap. And hey, if social media is not your thing, you just want to hang out, go to TwinPeaksUnwrap.com. That's where our show is hosted. We're on Spotify. Follow us on Spotify. You can like us, and you can leave us a five-star review and leave us a nice little comment on iTunes. And we're also on Google Play, Stitcher, and... Also, we said this in the beginning of the show. I'm just going to friendly remind you right now. We are in the nominations of the podcast awards, just like last year. Um, we are under the two categories, TV and film and people's choice. So uh, it's in the show notes. You go in, you sign up. It takes less than five minutes, your name, your email, just to make sure it's a real person. They don't mm. want, like, um, meddling from other countries. I think that's what it is. <laughs> and um, so you just do that, and then you'll, you'll find our name in there, and you can vote for other podcasts in different categories as well. And this gets us in the running. So if enough people vote for us to be nominated, then the nominations will come out. Yeah, last year we were in the top 10 for TV and film, uh, yeah. which was wonderful to be a part of that group of the top 10 of all podcasts. I mean, that is amazing. Yeah, we got nominated last year, which was really cool. And maybe this year we can go even further. We can do it. I feel Number one. It. I, feel like, I feel like this year could be our year. If Sounds we can, good. If we can get nominated. So please nominate us. Yeah. Just go vote. Share with other people. Get other people to vote. And the deadline is July 31st. You want to talk about what's happening next week? Next week, if all goes well, 
We're going to do a live show. We're going to do a live we're show. Finally get, I think we're going to get JC here, and we will do a live show 6 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday, July 31st. On the old Twitter. On the old Twitter. We're going to be live on Twitter recording our show. Uh, the show will go out that evening after we record it. So you can still listen to the show like you normally do. It will just be us being goofballs like we are during our live show. We might have some other announcements about this live show. Yeah, I don't know. Stay tuned wanna... to Facebook and Twitter, yes. and we might talk about some other things that maybe you guys can be a part of. Yeah, so stay tuned to that. Keep your eyes and ears on social media about those announcements, and hopefully we'll see you guys during that live show. See you next week. And I Oh, to you.